Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to say I'm here to discuss a 5-0 victory for the Gunners, who you'd hope are now back on track. Um, it's been a difficult few weeks. The lack of games, I think, and the lack of action has led to even myself, you know, overthinking at times, maybe going a little bit overboard when it comes to kind of some of the, the problems that we've we've looked at over the last few weeks, the problems that we've experienced, um, getting a bit carried away with, you know, this hope that maybe we'll do something in the transfer market to help the team along. And actually, you know, as the window's gone on, I think we've all come to the realisation that the chances of us going out and doing a big deal uh, are very, very slim. And I, in fact, I'd, I'd say impossible because of um, the profit and sustainability rules. But we proved today that we can score goals. We proved today that we've got goals right across the team. Um, and we're going to get into all of that on this episode of the podcast. I'm delighted to be sitting here on this Saturday evening, uh, recording a pod with a positive tone for the first time uh, in a little while. Um, it is my wife's birthday today as well. Um, obviously, I deserted her today to go down to the Emirates Stadium and cover the game. Um, thank you to everybody that tuned into our coverage on BBC London Sport. It was really great fun uh, to be alongside the GOAT, um, Nick Godwin, and uh, former England defender, even if he is an ex-Man United player, Paul Parker. Uh, that Jake's aside, he's a top guy. It was great to, to work with those guys today and to witness a 5-0 victory for the Arsenal. Before we went live, I decided to pop onto the BBC Sport website. And um, the piece by Gary Rose starts with the line, Arsenal reignited their Premier League title challenge by thrashing struggling Crystal Palace at Emirates Stadium. That's exactly the kind of headline that I wanted to read uh, come sort of 4pm today. And I'm delighted to say uh, that that was the case. Arsenal were, were I'm not going to say brilliant because I don't think Arsenal were brilliant if I'm being brutally honest. If I'm sitting there and I'm kind of... Um, you know, going through the performance bit by bit and trying to break it down and trying to analyse it. I'd be lying if I said that I thought we were brilliant. I thought that at times we clicked and we saw what we've come to expect from Arsenal over the last couple of years. But at times it was still a bit slow. It was still a bit laboured. And you might think I'm, you know, moaning for no reason. Arsenal just won 5-0 after all. That's a perfectly valid opinion to have if that's what you think of me. But I think there were reasons to still not not to be concerned, but reasons for us not to go overboard in terms of saying, oh, you know, Arsenal are back. This is it now. We're going to go on a run and all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, we'll break it down on this edition of the pod. Really, really looking forward to doing that in you guys' company. As I say, it's my wife's birthday, so I'm going to try and keep this one not brief, but I don't want to go on for too long, seeing as I've not been home all day. I've come home. Um, I've left uh, the kids to deal with um, whilst I uh, jump on a pod. I mean, the people want a pod. The pod has to happen, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, here's what it is. Um, I have to say this morning when I got up and I was thinking about today's game, I was a little bit nervous. I was a little bit concerned because Crystal Palace have got this tendency to just pull out magical results out of the bag, even when they're on a shit run of form. You think back to that 2-2 draw that they managed out of nowhere against Manchester City a little while ago. They were on a rubbish run of form going into that and they managed to pull it out of the bag. So Crystal Palace are the type of team that can do that to you. We talked about it in the preview. We talked about it in the build-up. Roy Hodgson is the type of manager that can mastermind that type of result, that type of outcome, because his sides are generally um, really, really pragmatic, aren't they? I think when I looked at the Crystal Palace lineup today, I felt a little bit more comfortable. I wasn't sure going into the game if Olise was going to make a comeback. Obviously, he didn't. And then I looked at that team and I thought the only real threat is Ebereche Eze. But speaking to sort of some colleagues today that cover Crystal Palace really, really closely, it seems to be that Ebereche Eze is, is just not anywhere near as effective when he doesn't have Michael Elise in the team. The pair have struck up a really good understanding and one without the other isn't quite as effective. The reason I thought 
when I woke up this morning that Arsenal might lose today was because of the way my day started. Now, this isn't football related. You might not care. Feel free to tell me to shut up. But this is how my, my morning went, right? So I got up in the morning and the wife says to me, um, do you need the car? And I said, you know what? No, it's your birthday. You've got the kids. Take the car. Go and do whatever you want to do. Go and have fun. I'll grab the train. It'll get me down to the Emirates really quick. 25 minutes, I'll be there door to door if I take the train. It's so much faster. Um, no, don't worry about it. Take the car. Off you go. So that's what I did. Then I left my house and I got to the station around the corner from my house to find that every single train for the next three hours was cancelled. Then I decided to get an Uber. I thought, you know what? Can't mess around. I'll get an Uber to the underground station and then I'll jump on from there because that'll get me there really fast and it'll make up for the time that I've lost walking to the station for no, no, no reason. So I get in an Uber. The rudest Uber driver of all time picks me up. He was awful. He didn't want me to have my rucksack in the back seat with me. He said I might scratch his car with a fabric rucksack. So after I thought, you know, you're, you're just one of those people, mate, whatever. So I got out, put it in the boot, went to close the boot. Um, and it was a little bit stiff. So I, I pushed it a little bit harder. The, do the door closed. He started shouting at me. Oi, 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 oi. What are you doing to my car? I said, mate, your boots are a bit stiff. Like it needed a bit of welly to close. He didn't like it. Got in the car. We were arguing for about two, three minutes about the way I closed the boot. I just thought, mate, get over yourself, man. Like you're not driving a limousine or a Rolls Royce, for God's sake. Like get over yourself. I get you got to look after your car. It's your livelihood, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, calm down a bit. Anyway, so the rudest driver. About five minutes into the journey, after we eventually stopped arguing, I just thought, you know what? It's not worth it, mate. Just get me to where I need to go. His car just completely lost power. Totally lost power. He was pressing the accelerator and the car just wasn't going. Don't know what happened to it. He pulls into a petrol station and he says, I've got a problem with the car, mate. I'm really sorry. And I said, okay. And he gets out the car and he starts lifting up the bonnet and whatever. And I said to him, well, mate, can you cancel the trip then? Because I need to get to the game. I need to get to the stadium. I've got work. I need to be on air. Um, thank you uh, as well to, uh, who was it? Um, someone said something in the chat. Where is it? Oh, yeah, to um, Grandmaster Hoot, who said, loved hearing your voice on TalkSport before the game. Thank you very much, mate. So not only was I doing the game for BBC London today, I was doing a bit on TalkSport before the game before I was on air for BBC London. So I had to be at the game even earlier than normal, which is why I was stressing about how I was going to get there. So anyway, this guy starts, um, you know, looking under the bonnet, messing around with this, messing around with that. He doesn't want to cancel the trip. I said, mate, I'm canceling the trip and I need to book another car because I need to get to the stadium. So he gets the hunt with me about that as well. Anyway, this next car turns up, um, picks me up, no problem. Um, took me down uh, to where I needed to go, got on the tube, hopped out of Holloway Road Station, legged it across the road, got into um, the media section, and I'm told there's no power in the Arsenal press box at the moment. There's some kind of fault. There's some kind of issue. And I just thought to myself, when you start a day like that, it probably isn't going to go your way. And I was adamant. I was convinced that Arsenal were going to lose as a result of it. I was telling all my colleagues, if you're betting today, bet on Crystal Palace, blah, blah, blah. I was just in that kind of mood. Thankfully. Arsenal were able uh, to get a nice early goal. 11 minutes in, Gabriel broke the deadlock and everybody was able to then relax after that. And from then on, it was pretty plain sailing for the Gunners. But I just had that feeling. I just had that feeling that it wasn't going to go my way. Um, <laughs> uh, Thomas and friends says, uh, you should have said, you know who I am. <laughs> uh, he also says, you smashing the boot killed his engine. James D says, uh, Harry broke the man's car, uh, slamming the boot too hard. Mate. Let me tell you something. I didn't even slam it. Like, I, I know when I've slammed something. Like, I, I didn't even slam it. Like, I literally went to close it. And, you know, like some of them have like a mechanism where when you try and do it too fast, it kind of gets stuck. I went to close it and then it kind of got all three quarters of the way. And then it just needed a bit of like to put your hand on top and push it down rather than the pulling motion, which is what I did. And the guy was just so 
fussy about it. Unbelievable. Mate, if you don't want my bag in the back seat, which I, I don't understand what the problem with my bag being in the back seat is anyway. Like, anyway, if you've got a problem with it, you get out the bloody car, you take my bag and you put it in the bloody boot. Because you could have told me before I got in and sat down, put my belt on and made myself comfortable. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, Steve Stone says, behave, Harry. I heard it from here. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Um, anyway, uh, who's that? Aaron says, uh, just join now, H. Uh, you're out for the Doris's birthday later, aren't you? Enjoy geese. Is that what is that what you call wives? The Doris? I've never heard that one before. Um, do you know what? We're not going to go out tonight. Um, we're going out tomorrow uh, for the whole day as a family because it was my son's birthday yesterday. So January absolutely kills me. I've got a birthday on the 19th. I've got a birthday on the 20th. And they don't even fall within the period of January where you've still got a bit of money. They come towards the end of January where you're... Oops. Bear with me a second, guys. I have no idea what's happened to my microphone just then. Give me one second and I shall resolve. Obviously, someone didn't want to listen to me talking about slamming boots. <laughs> one second. There we go. I think we're back. Sorry about that. I have no idea what happened. No idea at all. Anyway, so yeah, um, am I going out for my wife's birthday later tonight is where we, we haven't even talked. We've been going for 12 minutes. We haven't talked to Arsenal yet. I guess it gave uh, some of you a chance to join us on the live stream. If you're listening on audio, you're probably thinking, who gives a shit? But anyway, sorry. Uh, let me wrap this up nice and quickly. Uh, we're not going out tonight. As I say, we're going out tomorrow um, as a whole family for the day. So um, we're just going to, well, she's going to put the kids to bed while I'm podcasting. And then uh, the plan is to get a nice takeaway in and uh, and chill out. But anyway, uh, let's uh, let's get on to the football uh, because I think it's really important, isn't it? And it's why uh, we are here. Ultimately, James D says uh, Harry's breaking everything today. Break the boot, then break the mic. Um, <laughs> Junior says Harry, you did it on purpose because the cabbie was wearing a Spurs shirt. Do you know what? He wasn't, but he was giving me Spurs fan uh, vibes. If if that makes sense. Uh, Thomas says, what a day he's broke the car. Now he's broke the mic. <laughs> uh, Paul Nell says, um, Harry's uh, wife is sabotaging the podcast. Maybe she is. Maybe she is. Anyway, uh, let's get into it then. We're going to start off by discussing Mikel Arteta's team selection. Then we'll break down how the game went. We'll bring uh, you some of the talking points. We're going to wrap up with some player ratings a little bit later on, as well as some of your questions and thoughts from the live chat. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Uh, please do leave a like on the video, by the way. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're with us on YouTube, if you're listening on audio. And please do leave us a review as well. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna. Okay, let's get into it then. So we'll start off with Mikel Arteta's team selection. Mikel Arteta's team selection um, wasn't one that provided too many major surprises, I would say. Um, I know a lot of people have been calling for Emil Smith-Rowe to play from the start, but I think it was pretty clear and obvious that he never was going to start because he's you know, he's been back for a few weeks now, but he's got very little in terms of minutes under his belt. Um, one of the positives that I'm going to discuss a little bit later on is the fact that he got some more minutes under his belt. But it, to me, it was clear that he wasn't going to start. Um, I wondered if Martinelli uh, would have continued in the side. I said I would have picked him because I would have um, I would have wanted to persist with him. But Mikel Arteta revealed to us in the press conference after the match that Gabriel Martinelli had a bit of a problem in training over the last couple of days, which explains why he took the decision to start Leandro Trossard. Look, Leandro Trossard got the third goal, so that's fine. You know, neither of them have been particularly good, I don't think, over the last probably couple of months. So 
whichever one played, they needed to kind of prove something. And if any of them could get on the score sheet and have a real impact on the game, that was always going to do us a lot of good. But we'll come on to talk about Smith-Rowe and Trossard individually a little bit later on. Elsewhere, in terms of team news, Gabriel Jesus and Alexander Zinchenko returned to the side, which for me is good news. Okay, I know we talk a lot about Zinchenko and, you know, his defensive inabilities, shall we say, his defensive weaknesses. I think nobody, you know, denies that they exist. I think everybody can see it quite clearly. But for me, not having him in the team really does affect our build-up. And if he's not in the team, but you've got Tomiyasu or Timber available, then I guess that's okay. But the minute you have to put Jakub Kivior in at left-back, then I think we're significantly weaker. We're not any better defensively because I just think Kivior looks lost at left-back. But on top of that, we don't have what Zinchenko brings us in the build-up. So we lose quite a bit when that change is made between Zinchenko and Kivior. So I was glad to see Zinni back in the side. I didn't know how long he was going to last. I was surprised that he played the whole game. Um, but we'll come on to, to his performance, as I say, individually a little bit later on. Great to see Jesus back. Um, always busy up front. Always trying to make things happen. Not the killer in front of goal that everybody talks about. But, you know, he got an assist uh, for the third goal. He did really, really well to kind of line that up for Leandro Trossard. And, um, you know, it was good that we were able to get him off as well without pushing him too far because we know that, of course, his injury is one that's popped up and cropped up now on a couple of occasions. Um, let me uh, let me just um, dive into the chat. There's a few questions, by the way, which I'm favoriting and I'm going to come back to a little bit later on. Um, thank you to Medical Study Buddy for your very, very kind donation to the channel. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, it says, uh, hey, Harry. This sounds like your missus is doing. Are you talking about um, my nightmare journey to the Emirates Stadium or the, the damaging of my microphone? Maybe both. Uh, he says, this is, sounds like your missus is doing. So he thinks he can give me the car and the kids and call it even just like that. Oh, just you wait. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, right. So that's the starting lineup. So he went with Ryer in goal. He went with White, Saliba, Gabriel, and Zinchenko. He went with Rice as the six. He went with Odegaard and Havertz in those slightly more advanced midfield positions with Trossard on the left, Saka on the right and Jesus through the middle. Now, the first goal came after 11 minutes through Gabriel. I think it's a really, really good header. A really good header. Um, I think he does really, really well to get up nice and early. So I was looking through... Um, Twitter at half time, and I think there was a tweet from Gary Neville. Was it from Gary Neville? Let me try and find this. Hold on, because if I can find this now, we can um, we can pull this apart uh, live while we're here um, right now. Hold on a second. Where is it? Um, do, 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 one second. Here we go. This is the tweet that Gary Neville put out. You know, because Gary Neville he likes to wind Arsenal fans up, doesn't he? Uh, where is it? There we go. I'm just sharing the screen. Bear with me a second for those of you watching. So Gary Neville posted this. He posted the picture of Gabrielle sort of leaping above Richards, the Crystal Palace defender, and sort of having his arms on top of him. And he said, Arsenal fans think this is a foul then. And the reason he was doing this was in reference, obviously, to the goal that was given against us at St. James's Park that cost us a game. And Gary Neville, I, I, you know, one can only assume that he is trolling here and that he's trying to get a reaction. But the, the two situations are not comparable in any way, shape or form. The difference is, is that with the Joe Linton one, Gabriel couldn't get off the ground because Joe Linton was already holding him, already had contact with him. Whereas in this instance, Gabriel gets up early and because he's up early and he's in the air, he's then able to sort of pin the man down. But that's because he's got above the man first. He's got above the man first and foremost. Joe Linton was pushing in Gabriel's back before he even got off the ground. There's a still image of Joe Linton with both feet planted on the ground and both hands on Gabriel's back. So the two situations are incomparable, but I wanted to bring that up because that tweet, it just irritated me um, when I saw it at halftime. It's a brilliant, brilliant piece of um, 
attacking play from Gabriel. The way he attacks the ball with such power um, and then nods it into the corner is, is really, really superb. Then you've got the second Arsenal goal, which came not too long after that. Um, well, it was quite a while after that. In fact, it was a few minutes before half time, seven, eight minutes before half time. It was given eventually as a Henderson own goal, which having seen the replay as harsh as that feels on Gabriel, who I'd prefer to have it on his record, obviously. Um, I think it was the right decision. But you watch those two set pieces back. And I think the way the Arsenal generate the space and the opportunity um, to, to attack those balls and cause Crystal Palace problems, I think is really, really clever and really, really smart. Go and watch those two goals back. Obviously, I can't run the goals on here because um, I'd be breaking copyright rules. But there's a couple of bits that I want you to have a, a good look out for. Do you know what? Can I possibly can I possibly roll them and then pause them so that let me see. Let me see if I can do this. Because I'd love to, I'd love to be able to do this. Because I, I really feel the need to kind of demonstrate what it is. That I mean, I'm just going back through the Sky Sports Premier League posts. I don't know if they even post the goals on here, do they? Probably not. Um, no, I don't think they do. I don't think they do. Is it worth me? It's not worth me trying to find the still images now. We can, we can do that another time. But basically, you watch where Kai Havertz um, positions himself. He's wide of the penalty. Do you know what? I really, really want to explain this to you with images. Hold on a second. Like, I'm trying to think if there's a way that I can do this. Who's saying don't? Don't do it. What, what, what are you saying? Don't do what? Should I not run them? Or is the poll you're saying about? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh, Sky Sports Premier League. Appreciate if you're listening to this episode in particular on audio, you're probably thinking, oh, for God's sake, be quiet, man. Let me just stop sharing the screen so I can find the point that I want because then I'm not breaking any copyright rules because I'm not showing you any video. Um, is this the one? Yes, it is. Okay, this is the one. So let me share this with you guys now. Hold on. Um... What am I doing? I'm like sharing the whole screen there. That's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, share screen, share screen, Chrome tab. That's the one I want, I think. There we go. Okay, if I, can I zoom in on this anymore? Hold on a second. Sorry about this. It will be worth it, I promise you. Okay. So you can see that now, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to play the video. I'm going to sort of, oh, I can, it can only jump five seconds. Look at where Kai Havertz is there, right? To the right of the picture. Now, before this corner kick was taken, he was standing wide of the penalty area. He wasn't even inside the box. He was to the right of the penalty area in the far post area. And then you sort of take it on a little bit. Oh, for God's sake, Harry, what are you doing here? You're having a mare. You're having a mare. Hold on. You take it on a little bit further to when Gabriel heads the ball in. This is where Gabriel gets on top of his man and heads it in. Look at where Kai Havertz is. He's done a really good job of blocking off that man and taking him out of the equation. And then even better than that, even more effective than that, you can see Ben White standing in front of Dean Henderson and making it impossible for him to get out of his goal and go and confront the ball. And that's what kind of creates the space for Gabriel to, to go into that duel with Richards, which he comes out on top in. So that's a really, really significant moment. Then if I take it on to the next goal, which is this one from Saka's delivery. Again, can you see Kai Havertz on the far side, almost to the edge of the box? Again, He's trying to create, um, is this even the goal? I can't remember if this is the goal. Let me take this one forward a bit. Hold on. Uh, no, this is the one that hit the post. Sorry. This is the one that hit the angle between post and bar. But again, Kai Havertz in a wide position, 
making a late dart into the equation, which causes a problem not just for the man that's marketing, but for everyone in the middle. Again, Ben White trying to pin Dean Henderson. You go on a little bit further and you get to um, the goal that we scored right on the stroke of halftime. That's that incident still, the one that came off the corner of the crossbar. Here we go. We'll see this in a second. This was that save that Lerma uh, forced out of David Raya. Not a good clearance, was it, that, from, from David Raya? Um, we'll take it on. Here we go. So you see it here, right? This is the one from which the goal comes about. Into the box it goes. Now look at that. Gabriel comes in there and he's obviously his header goes back across and comes off of Henderson and goes in. But look at the job that we're doing blocking again. If I take it back ever so slightly, right? Look at little Leandro Trossard in there, occupying two players. Ben White again has pinned himself on Henderson, the goalkeeper. And we've made it really, really difficult for them to defend the situation. Again, on the far side of the six-yard box, Kai Havertz is there. This is not me trying to like big up Kai Havertz or anything like that. I know a lot of people will say um, that I am. And, and you know, they, there's a lot of people that say that every time I ever praise the guy, it's because I'm putting out Arsenal propaganda and all the rest of it. The truth is that in those set piece situations, he's a, he's a weapon. And he's a weapon because we've given him a very specific role to do. We've asked him to do something which involves, um, which involves like creating room for others by using your, your your sort of physical presence, your sort of physical prowess, your power, your all of the things that you bring to the table. Look, some some of them, you know, a question. Some people look at him and they go, oh, "I don't know what he does in the team." And I'm not saying the guy's perfect, but I think on this occasion, you could see that there is a very specific use for him that Arsenal are very keen on kind of, you know, getting out of him, extracting out of him. And uh, yeah, and in the end, I thought that the the whole working of those set-piece situations was really big, really important. To get the first goal was really, really important in a game like this. And once we got that, um, you know, we're, we're into um, a much more comfortable position. And from then on, you know, we move forward. And and from then on, once we get the second, especially the game is is not really a contest anymore. Um, Kevin says, let's hear Harry's opinion. I haven't heard it yet, but let's guess. No criticism of the five worst players on the pitch. Odegaard, Saka, Havertz, White and Jesus. I haven't given you my player ratings yet. I've got player ratings to share. Give me a chance, man, for God's sake. <laughs> Kevin says five nil and five players useless. What does that tell you about the other six then? Um, he says, after this podcast, I hope you lose listeners. This is shocking. Um, I look at Harry, he says, and I go, what are you talking about? Mate, you are the one sitting on a Saturday night watching me. If it's that bad, haven't you got better things to do? Probably not, which is why you're here. Anyway, um, <laughs> you throw me off there. Um, okay, so those two goals, I think, were really, really important. And you go in at halftime, two goals to the good, and you're really comfortable. And apart from the one effort that Lerma had from distance that David Raya saved quite comfortably after that, you know, disappointing clearance from him. You know, there, there was nothing from Crystal Palace as an attacking threat. So you felt at 2-0 that we'd done enough. We just needed to be smart. But then you come out in the second half and you go and get a goal within the sort of first 15 minutes of that half and you kill any hope that Crystal Palace have of turning things around. You put the game and the result beyond doubt at that point. And the nature of that goal was really encouraging too. It was really, really encouraging because David Raya has the presence of mind to recognise that the counter-attacking situation or the counter-attacking opportunity is there. He gets it, he throws it out nice and early, sets Arsenal off on their way and down the right-hand side they go. Jesus's ball across is really good. And then Leandro Trossard doesn't snatch at the chance, which is easy to do, by the way, when you're low on confidence, when you're not performing at your best. The ball comes across, he takes the touch back inside, and then he finishes emphatically. Really, really good finish from Leandro Trossard. And at that point, it was game over, done and dusted. We can relax now. And I think 
Mikel Arteta started to look at the game in a different way because seven or eight minutes after that, he started to make some changes. And we're going to talk about some of those changes in a bit. Just to circle back to the two set-piece goals, because I, I, I do want to um, get back to that very, very briefly, very, very quickly. We talk about the the roles that some of the players played, um, the blockers, the, the part that they played, the influence that they had in those outcomes, which were obviously very, very positive. We mustn't take anything away from the set-piece coach, Nicholas Jova, because he's obviously come up with these plans of, of attack. Um, he's obviously come up with who should go where. And I think sometimes when you are struggling in front of goal, it's actually quite helpful to have someone who puts you in a specific position and almost gives you the blueprint as to how you might score. Now, obviously, the players have to go out there and they have to execute it. But just sort of watching Nicholas Yova from the technical area quite a few times over the course of the season, he's very involved in every set piece, whether it be um, offensive or defensive. And I tweeted at half time saying it's not Arsenal to Crystal Palace nil at the moment. It's Nicholas Yova to Crystal Palace nil. So you need to give praise to him. But you also need to give praise to Gabriel because we talk a lot about how much he's improved as a defender. He's incredibly consistent for Arsenal these days. All the love seems to be dished out to William Saliba, who deserves it in his own right as well. But when you think about how good Gabriel's been defensively too recently, the consistency with which he's played and the fact that he's able to go and influence games uh, in the attacking third as well, you know, he's a really, really good player. He got that goal at Liverpool um, just before Christmas, which was his first goal of the Premier League season. He got one today, probably should have had two, really. He was unlucky that the second one was given as a known goal. But yeah, um, really, really pleased with him. I know I jumped forward to the third goal and then went back, but hey, it is what it is. Um, the fourth and fifth, great for Gabriel Martinelli. You know, you you really wanted that for him, don't you? And at the time when he came on and he and he scored the first, and they were both sort of Thierry Henry-like finishes, weren't they? Opening up the body, um, opening up your right boot and going into that far corner. When he got the first, I thought, great, you know what? He'd have fin he'd have felt probably quite downbeat about the fact that he'd been dropped out of the starting lineup. And so to come off the bench and then score is almost the perfect scenario for the manager, isn't it? It's it's, it's what you want, right? You want him to kind of realize that he's not playing at the level required. Um, you know, you, you want him to feel that and feel that urgency in terms of turning his performances around. But then when he does come on, you want him to have an impact because you want his confidence to be back where it should be so that you can get the best version of Gabriel Martinelli. Um, I think him coming on and scoring two goals was almost the perfect scenario for Mikel Arteta. But I do want to give Arteta some praise here as well. Because, yeah, we heard afterwards that Martinelli had a problem. We heard after the game that Martinelli had an issue in training over the last couple of days, which is why you can assume that Leandro Trossard was given the starting position in the first place. But for Arteta to go, even with Martinelli having a bit of a problem, to look at the game, to look at the game state with about 20 minutes to go and go, yeah, you know what? He's not at 100%, but rather than wrap him up and cut him all, there is space here. There's an opportunity here for him to go out there and put all this talk about him not scoring enough and all the rest of it to bed. There's an, an opportunity here for him to come onto the pitch late on in a game that's a little bit more stretched now because Crystal Palace were starting to take a few more risks. They moved to a back three at the end, which meant that the wide areas were there to be exploited. Mikel Arteta looked at that and went, he's not 100% fit, but if he's at 70, 80%, but I, I think there's an opportunity for him to get a goal or do something, produce some kind of moment that might just reinstate his confidence, then it's worth bringing him on. And he did bring him on, and he got two goals. And I don't think there's a better tonic, really, is there, for you know a lack of confidence than coming off the bench in a Premier League game and scoring a brace in quick succession. A goal on 94 and a goal on 95. So, yeah, I think that worked out really, really well. The only negatives to take away from today were that obviously Declan Rice and Gabriel both came off 
with injury concerns. Now, Mikel Arteta told us after the game that Declan Rice had felt a tightness in a muscle. He didn't specify that it was the hamstring, but I know a lot of people that were watching the game on TV say that there was a, a moment where Declan Rice sort of said to a teammate, it's the hammy. So uh, people are worried and concerned about that. Arteta did try to play that down a little bit in the post-match press conference. He kind of said, look, he felt a tightness. And because we were 3-0 up, we didn't think it was worth taking any sort of risk. And he said a similar thing with Gabriel, that he felt a little something from a challenge maybe in the first half. Um, but that, you know, when you looked at the game state, you looked at the situation that Arsenal were in, it, it wasn't worth persisting or continuing with him. So they took him off. There is a nice break now between Arsenal's um, game today against Crystal Palace and the game coming up against Nottingham Forest a little bit later on in the month. So hopefully that gives us time to nurse those players back to full fitness. Um, hopefully they were just precautionary substitutions because we're really short of bodies at the moment and you don't want um, to, to be in a situation where we've lost another two really key players. And they're really, really important players. I think Jorginho has been great when he's come into the side. I thought he was good when he came on today. Um, I thought the pass for the, was it the, the second Martinelli goal, I want to say, uh, was a really good pass. The type that Jorginho has in his locker. Um, but I don't want to go away to Nottingham Forest with Jorginho, Havertz and Odegaard in midfield. I don't think that works. I would prefer to see Jorginho come into the side and Kai Havertz taken out of the midfield. So we have that slightly different balance, which at the moment I prefer. I think he will go Kai Havertz because he likes what he brings physically to the team. But me, I'd go Jorginho, Rice and Odegaard at Forest, assuming that those guys are all fit and available. So the only downer was those two injury problems, if you like, or injury concerns. Um, I am going to take some of your questions in a minute. I'm going to take some of your thoughts in a minute. We are going to deliver some player ratings as well. Just a couple of other things I want to talk about. The atmosphere inside the ground has sparked quite a bit of debate today. We'll get onto that in a bit. Um, and uh, and yeah, I just want to address a couple of bits from the comments section. Uh, what have we got? Um, Kevin says, I listen often after slating the podcast and telling me that he hopes that no one listens going forward. Um, I like Harry and his opinions, but he avoids negative opinions because of his Arsenal connections. Let's hear an honest opinion on Odegaard. He hasn't been bad. He's been shocking. I'm I'm really bored of this, like, this conversation about whether or not I'm allowed to give my opinion. Like, I've made a career out of giving my opinions on the football club that I love and then as time's gone on, on the wider game, right? This idea that I've, I, I can't give an opinion anymore is wild. Of course I can give an opinion. The difference between me and some of the others is that I won't sit there and say, he's crap, he's rubbish, he's useless. I'll try and be respectful first and foremost in my opinions, but I'll also tell you why I don't think a player is playing well or, or what needs to change or, or what might be the solution. There's no point in just sitting here saying he's rubbish, he's no good, he's no good, he's no good. Because And and yeah, there, there is a part of me as someone who works as a broadcaster now in the football space that doesn't want to come face to face with a player that I've sat there slating um, online. So I'll do it in a respectful way, but nobody's going to stop me having an opinion. I've got an opinion and we're going to talk about Martin Odegaard in a little bit. This idea that I can't or that I won't or that I choose not to when I think I'm very critical, I just do it in a different way and in the right way, in my opinion, is it drives me mad because like, where has that come from? Like, at what point did you ever tune in and get the impression that I was like muzzled and couldn't say this and couldn't say that? I'll say whatever the hell I want, but I do think about my words because I think my words can have an impact on my career. And I want to give you guys as honest a podcast as I can. And I do do that. But it, that generally, it's not in my nature to sit there and go, he's rubbish, he's this, he's that, screw him, screw that. It's not in my nature. I don't talk like that. So if you want the outrage, if you want someone that's going to shout and scream about every individual player after they have a disappointing performance, then that this is not the podcast for you. 
Uh, Kenny says, uh, you were right and wrong in one day. Right with Jorginho midfield, wrong with your blind faith in Havertz. We'll come on to the player ratings in a bit. I'm not going to say anything about Kai Havertz until we get to that point. Aaron Knowles says, um, with regards to Martinelli, do you think it's time for him to play up top? I only see this as I frequently see him running the ball out. His head is always down. I think taking him off the wing is it. I understand why you'd say that. And I understand why people even looked at Martinelli maybe earlier in his career and went, yeah, this is a guy that is destined to move into that centre forward position. The reason I think he's more effective wide, though, is because, yeah, sometimes he does get his head down, doesn't look up. There was one run that he made that was really good just after he came on and he ended up getting caught up by Nathaniel Klein, who then won the ball back. And I just thought to myself, if you lifted your head at any point during that run, you'd have seen Gabriel Jesus on the right in acres of space. And he is very head down, going to go. But a lot of the time, that's what makes him good. That's what makes him difficult to deal with. The fact that he's going to relentlessly run at you every single time he gets the ball. Um, and you don't know where he's going to end up. And you don't know what the outcome's going to be. That's a big feature of his game. The unpredictability and the e explosiveness in which with which he plays the game. So I don't think he'd get the space to do that through the middle. I think being wide means that he can receive the ball in space. And then once he's carrying it, it's much, much more difficult to stop him. I think if he played at centre forward, you'd struggle to get the supply into him in the same way. And then I think he becomes less effective. But that's just that's just my opinion on it. Um, what else have we got? Uh, lots of questions about individual players. We're going to come on to the player ratings very, very shortly. So uh, I'm not going to go into that just yet. Uh, Creambone says, uh, sup, Harry, thank God we've got back to winning ways. Otherwise, I'd be down the Emirates with a banner saying Harry out and ask for new owners. Uh, FYI, did I break my finger? Oh, you did break your finger. Oh, man. Um, sorry to uh, sorry to hear that, man. Wishing you a speedy recovery. What were you doing and you broke your finger? Maybe actually, you know what? Maybe I don't want to know. Maybe I don't want to know. Um, keep your questions coming in the chat as well. I am favoriting them as we go through and we'll come over to some of those in a bit. Going to take a really, really short pause. Then I'm going to bring you guys first my list of positives from today's game and then my player ratings. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna live here on YouTube. If you haven't done so already, can I ask you, please leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. And subscribe to the channel if your brand new. That really, really, really uh, does help as well with three likes away from 100. So come on, let's get over the line uh, with that. OK, I'm going to start off uh, by sharing with you guys my list of positives from today's game, because there's a few. Uh, there's a few that I want to highlight. So if I start off with uh, the fact that we won the game, three points uh, is obviously a massive boost for us. And, and to get back to winning ways, really, really important after the run of form that we've been on. Uh, Jesus being back is a massive positive because for all the talk about him not being the killer in front of goal that some people want him to be or hope he will be one day, well, we all want him to be really, don't we? But, you know, the fact that he isn't that player, it, it does annoy people. And I think at times it kind of, I, I think at times that opinion fails to take into consideration all the other things that he brings. He's back. Zinchenko's back. Emil Smith-Rowe got 20 more minutes under his belt. And I thought his performance when he came on today was without being outstanding, really good. Like I thought all of his touches were good. Um, the way he moved the ball, the way he carried the ball through the thirds, I thought was really good. He's on his way back, Emil Smith-Rowe. He will get there. Um, the fitness thing is, is I still think the bit that Mikel Arteta is concerned about. And we've talked quite a bit recently about him only getting sort of like five, six minutes at the end of games. And how on earth is he ever going to build that fitness up if he doesn't play more? The decision to bring him on with just over 20 minutes plus stoppage time. So he had about 25 minutes today was an encouraging one in terms of, you know, people have been questioning whether he has a future at this football club. The fact that he was brought on at that point suggests that they are trying to step up his recovery now. They're trying to step up um, his match fitness levels. And the only way you do that is by giving him game time. But you can only do that. 
You can only bring someone on purely for fitness reasons when the game state allows that. And today it did. And Mikel Arteta didn't pass up the opportunity to go, right, Emil, you're getting on. You're going to get another 20 minutes under your belt. So positive so far, three points. Jesus's return, Zinchenko's return, 20 more minutes under the belt for Emil Smith-Rowe. And Leandro Trossard goal, a player that, in my opinion, needed a goal. I don't think his, I think his last goal came back in November. Martinelli getting back on the score sheet with a brace. Another player who, you know, has struggled for confidence of late. Assuming that Declan Rice is okay and that it was just a tightness in the muscle. You know, the fact that he wasn't required to play 90 minutes, you know, is a good thing. And the other one that I want to point out is, is Jakub Kivior getting on and actually playing in his position. Because there's been a lot of disregarding of Jakub Kivior as a, as a good fit for Arsenal and as a useful player for Arsenal in recent weeks. Because he's been playing at left-back and, in my opinion, has been hung out to dry at times. He is the fourth-choice left-back at Arsenal Football Club right now. But the circumstances of late have dictated that he's had to play that role a lot more than anybody would have liked. So to see him come on, and I know that the circumstances weren't great. I know that you don't want it to be because Gabriel's injured. But to see him come on and play in his position will do him the world of good. He just looks so much more comfortable. Like, I know he wasn't mega busy, but he just looks so much more comfortable with the ball at his feet, when he was kind of shuffling into position, when he was trying to look up and work the ball uh, into the midfield. He just looks so much more calm and composed there. And hopefully... Um, you know, when we get the other guys back, he can go back to being a centre-back, which I think is a role that he's very, very competent in. So those were the positives that I wanted to highlight from today's game. Let's dive back into the chat for a minute or so, and then we will uh, bring you the player ratings to kind of uh, round off uh, the show. Um, what have we got here? It's 2-1 to Brentford, apparently. Um, I was watching it up to 1-1. Um, but then I decided to come on here. Uh, Palmsy says, can you give your list of negatives as well? Okay. Um, I think that at times the performance was still a little bit laboured. I still think that we move the ball forward too slowly at times. Um, I still think that we're not always making the right decisions around the penalty area. I still don't think Bukayo Saka is anywhere near his best. I don't think that Martin Odegaard was anywhere near his best. In fact, those two were pretty underwhelming for me today. Those would be my negatives. Um, outside of that, you know, when you win 5-0, it's kind of hard to come up with too many. But, you know, that that would be it for me. I didn't think we moved the ball quickly and sharply enough at times. It was all a little bit too slow, a little bit too laboured. Um, there were flashes of, of what Arsenal were capable of, but we didn't see it anywhere near often enough. Um, and obviously, when you score two set-piece goals, it puts you in a position where the opposition are then going to come out and be that little bit more aggressive, and that leaves spaces for you to be able to exploit. But yeah, I think those would be my negatives. Odegaard and Saka not quite at it today, um, and not for the first time this season. So am I a little bit concerned uh, by their performance levels? Yeah, I have to say that I am because I know that they can bring so much more to the table. Right now, we're just we're just not seeing it. We're just not seeing it. And we need to see it because for Arsenal to be at their best, those two players really do need to be performing at a much higher level. OK, going to take another short pause and then I'm going to bring you my player ratings. Remember, like, subscribe, share, all the rest of it, comment. Uh, leave me your thoughts on the player ratings uh, below. Put yours in there. Give me any comments on the show, whatever. We are going to release a video tomorrow morning of just this player ratings segment. But if it pops up on your feed, I know you'd have already seen it if you've watched this pod in full, if you've listened to this pod in full. But if you could please go in there and just like it, leave a little thumbs up or leave your player ratings below on that video instead, I'd be really, really grateful because we're trying to up the output on the YouTube channel and that is going to mean some duplication of content, but some more sort of concise sections going out uh, from various shows. I know that a lot of you probably won't want to watch it again or listen to it again. I get that. Um, but if you could just help me in terms of trying to train the algorithm with regards to us doing videos and uploading videos that aren't live streams, that'd be really, uh, really handy because the algorithm recognizes engagement 
and engagement comes in the shape of likes and comments and all the rest of it. It will take you one second, but I'd super appreciate it. Just uh, pop into the video when it pops up tomorrow morning, like it, leave a comment and, and off you go. Thank you. Okay, um, let's do the player ratings right after this. Welcome to the player ratings here on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. We're focusing, of course, on Arsenal 5, Crystal Palace. Neil, I've got some player ratings out of 10 for you. Uh, we're going to start uh, with the goalkeeper, David Raya. We'll do the defence, the midfield, the forward line, and uh, we'll do the substitutes today as well. Let's start off with David Raya in goal. This one's a, a tough one, actually, because there were times in the first half where I didn't feel massively comfortable with David Raya. There was a couple of bad bits of distribution. There was that really poor clearance that went straight to Lerma, who took a touch and then forced the save out of David Raya. There was a shot that was hit directly at him that he dropped, but fortunately for him, there was nobody around him to capitalise on the mistake. And then he just sort of pounced on the ball um, and, and made sure to to deal with the danger. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't totally comfortable with David Raya, but what can I give someone in terms of a player rating who's a goalkeeper after they've kept a clean sheet? Like, I can say what I want to say, but how can I give him any less than a seven when he's just kept a clean sheet in a 5-0 win? So I'm going to give David Raya a seven out of ten. Take it into the defence, Ben White. I'm going to give him a seven. I thought he was solid uh, without being outstanding. And I'll say the same about Saliba today. I didn't really see the William Saliba that we've become accustomed to, where he's really dominant, where he's really controlling. I think that he was good enough. And, you know, Crystal Palace didn't exactly ask many questions of any of our defenders really today. But I'm struggling to give White or Saliba, anything more than a seven. So I'm going to give them both a seven. Moving on to Gabriel, I'm going to give Gabriel an eight because defensively, I thought he was really, really good um, as he has been for quite some time now. But he was also really, really influential in terms of the outcome of this game and the result of this game. You know, two goals, really. I know one was was given as an own goal in the end, but you know, essentially he made two goals happen by, you know, putting his body on the line, by being really aggressive in the way that he attacked the ball. He had a moment, didn't he, in the first half as well, where he was like up on the left wing, sort of, um, you know, trying to wrestle the ball back and, and involved in lots and lots of those sort of comings together and, and physical uh, altercations and stuff. Gabby was out there on a mission today. He really, really was. So I'm going to give him an eight out of ten. Zinchenko, I'm going to give him a seven and a half out of 10. I think Zinchenko in our build-up is really, really important at times. Now, I know I've said that I don't think we moved the ball through the lines quick enough at times, that we didn't have enough zip and tempo at times. Um, difficult to be critical, though, when you win 5-0. But Zinchenko going into that midfield, it did help us. And when you watch a game without Zinchenko and with Kivior at left-back, because he's limited Kivior um, in terms of what he can do on the ball in comparison to someone like Zinchenko. We always, you know, we always miss him when he's not in the side. Defensively, Zinchenko's not great. We all know that. I don't want to go over that again and again and again. Today, defensively, he was okay. He did enough. Wasn't asked many questions, admittedly. But I thought he was pretty good on the ball. Uh, so I'm going to give Zinchenko a 7.5 out of 10. Taking it on to the midfield, Declan Rice. I'm going to give Declan Rice a 6.5. This is probably the lowest rating I've ever given Declan Rice because I always think he's really, really good. And I always think he gives you a base level of at least a seven and a seven and a half out of 10 every single time he takes to the field. But he was just a little bit off it today. And obviously we saw him go off with what looked like an injury problem later on in the game. And maybe that explained, um, or, or that explains his performance and why he wasn't quite at the level that we've become accustomed to. But he was a bit late to challenges at times. Um, you know, he was a bit loose with his passing on a couple of occasions. You know, he seemed to sort of hesitate when he got on the ball at times. And that just allowed Crystal Palace to get back behind the ball. He wasn't carrying the ball in the way that he normally does, where he sort of picks it up, puts his foot on it, looks up, looks for a pass. But then if that pass isn't on, he normally thinks, 
you know what? I need to get my team up the pitch. Here we go. I'm going to carry it. And he uses his big frame and his body and his big strides to get up the pitch. Didn't really do that today. So I'm going to give Declan Rice a six and a half. Martin Odegaard, I'm going to give him the same. I thought his performance was underwhelming today as well. In a game where you score five goals, you expect Martin Odegaard to be really influential. And today, the truth is that he wasn't. Um, am I concerned when it comes to Martin Odegaard? Because it's not the first time this season I've come away from a game feeling like that about him. No, not massively. Because I don't think he was bad. I just don't think he was anywhere near as good and as effective as we know he can be. Seven feels too high for Martin Odegaard based on today's performance. Six feels too harsh because, as I say, he wasn't bad. So I'm going to give him a six and a half. Kai Havertz, I'm going to give him a six and a half as well. Had his moments where he helped us create situations and scenarios. Uh, there was that lovely reverse pass with the outside of the boot to Jesus in the second half on a counter-attack. That was really good. Um, and, you know, he was part of those really good set-piece routines that allowed us to score the first and second goal. But again, a bit like Odegaard, a seven feels too high. A six feels maybe a bit harsh, so I'm going to stick him on the um, six and a half mark there. Moving into the front line, Bukayo Saka. I'm going to give Bukayo Saka a six. I thought it was really underwhelming today. I don't think he had any impact, really. Um, he wasn't having an impact when he was cutting in onto that left foot. He tried to go on the outside a couple of times, at least in the first half, and managed to force a couple of corners. But, you know, other than that, he was he, he was largely a bit part player today. And listen, I don't want to dig players out. Like, I'm not sitting here trying to, like, create scapegoats because we've won a game 5-0. But I'm just trying to assess their performances on an individual level based on purely on what I watched today. And I don't think Saka was worthy, is worthy of anything more than a six based on what we saw today. Leandro Trossard, I'm going to give him a seven because he scored a goal. Um, I think that's fair. Jesus, I'm going to give him a seven and a half because I thought he worked tirelessly, didn't shy away from any challenges. Um, there was one moment where he sort of dived, didn't he? Um, he sort of dived in the box when Klein sort of kind of touched him. And I, I, was, I looked at that, I saw the replay and I was like, come on, man, like you can't be doing that. Um, do you know what? I'm going to downgrade Jesus's mark to a six, I think. I'm going to downgrade it to a six. Um, I was going to give him a seven, but now that I'm thinking about it and I'm trying to kind of summarise in my head what he did, he got caught offside what felt like a million and one times today, which was quite frustrating to watch as well. So, yeah, I'm going to downgrade his, his to a six. I'm going to give Emil Smith-Rowe, who came on as a substitute, a seven. Um, some really nice silky touches. Some good movement. Um, yeah, seven feels fair. Martinelli, I'm going to give him an eight and a half because he came on um, and uh, and stretched West... Uh, well, I almost said West Ham. Stretched Crystal Palace right at the end of the game and obviously tucked the ball away into the back of the net twice. Jorginho, I'm going to give him a seven and a half. I thought it was good when he came on. Kivior, I'll give him a seven. Look calm and assured um, in that centre-back position. Enketia difficult to give Enketia a rating because he wasn't on the pitch very long at all, but I'm going to give him a six because he, he just wasn't in the game. So six is about um, is about my average. So to summarise, my player ratings, Raya, seven, White, seven, Saliba, seven, Gabriel, eight, Zinchenko, seven and a half, Rice, six and a half, Odegaard, six and a half, Havertz, six and a half, Saka six, Jesus six, and Trossard seven. It's wild that only one player in our front six has got a seven and Arsenal have won the game 5-0. But that's that's how I, I saw it today. Um, yeah, that's how I saw it today. Feel free to agree, disagree. I can see Kevin's at it again. Uh, <laughs> uh, Steve Sardone says, did you not notice Saka's defensive duties? Are you... Are you meaning that in a positive way? Like, do you think he worked back a lot? Because I don't think Crystal Palace offered that much as an attacking force. Therefore, I didn't think he needed to work back as much as he has in other games. And also, you know, work rate, I've, I've come to just put that in a category of, of what I expect at the absolute minimum. Um, 
you know, I think we do factor that in when we're assessing players and when we're judging their performances. I always talk about Martin Odegaard's work, right? I always talk about the fact that, you know, when he's not quite at it on the ball, he gives you enough off the ball for him not to be a passenger. And I think that's probably true of Bukayo Saka as well. And maybe I'm guilty of holding Bukayo Saka to some really high standards, but they're standards that he's set. And I just think he's been so ineffective this season, generally speaking, compared to what he was last season. And we keep talking about the low block and we keep talking about the issues that that, that throws up and how, you know, it's on the manager to to change things and, and develop new patterns of play that would help us, um, you know, overcome that issue. But at the same time, I think sometimes it's on the individual player. I think the very best players, they come up with solutions based on how the game's going. They come up with solutions based on what they see and what they feel during the 90 minutes. And I don't think that Bukayo Saka, as much as he talks about the need to kind of study these things and figure out other ways, he talks a really good game, Bukayo Saka. I'm not really seeing the fruits of that labour, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah. I, I want to see, I appreciate that he worked back a lot, Steve. I, I just want to see more from him in the attacking third in terms of being the difference maker. Because last season he was the difference maker so much. And this season it just feels like he's really dropped off in that in that department and in that sense. Okay, uh, I'll take one or two more of your questions and make them good ones. Um uh, Afsar says, Harry, should Jorginho play from now on if Partey isn't fit? It gives us a good balance, but I'm not a fan of Jorginho, to be honest. I really like Jorginho, and I've been saying for a couple of weeks now um, that I like what he brings when he's alongside Declan Rice because he kind of takes the shackles off of Rice a little bit, but also Rice is defensively aware enough to kind of recognise when Jorginho needs that help. He's also got the mobility to when he recognises that need to get back into the spaces and support Jorginho as well. Um, I think, look, home games against the likes of Crystal Palace, you can get away with playing Havertz, Rice as the six, Odegaard. But I think there will be certain games. For example, Nottingham Forest away. If Rice is fit, I would play Jorginho alongside him rather than Kai Havertz uh, in that particular game. Okay, let's go back over to the chat. Um, Kevin, Kevin's really on one tonight. Kevin, like you don't have to watch it, mate. Nobody's holding a gun to your head and saying you need to watch the Chronicles of Aguna, mate. If you disagree that badly. And well, there was one comment that you dropped in, which is, look at this. Harry isn't real anymore. What am I, an illusion? Please, guys, don't support this anymore. You don't have to support this. See you later, mate. Go and enjoy your Saturday night. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? It's, I shouldn't bite at it. I really shouldn't. But it's, it just makes me laugh. Like, like for example, right, I hate Coronation Street. I think it's an awful TV program. I hate EastEnders. I think it's awful. Would you ever catch me watching EastEnders? <laughs> no, you wouldn't because I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it, so I'm not going to watch it. Um, that's what people generally tend to do when they don't like something. Um, Leonid says, what did ESR do to deserve a seven? Well, I have to, I have to take into consideration that he wasn't on the pitch very long. I have to take into consideration that it's difficult to come into a game, um, a game that's essentially already won and, you know, be that guy that really makes the difference. Like the game's already won. Like you either do something spectacular to get your name in lights or or your performance is going to go under the radar because at 3-0, there's no chance of you being that difference maker, as I say. But I thought some of his touches were really good. I thought um, some of his turns were really good. I thought he looked a lot sharper than he has in a long, long time. I normally start my player rating. So at the start of the game, everybody would be on a um, on a six. Everybody would be on a six. And then I'll either go up or down from that, right? I think that Emil Smith-Rowe did enough to move the needle from a six to a seven. Any more than a seven? No, I wouldn't go any further than a seven because if you start going further than that, you're almost, you know, you're, you're kind of getting into the, well, he was very good territory slash outstanding. Eight is outstanding for me. He was good enough 
to move the needle slightly from a six to a seven because that's where I start them on a six. Um, but yeah, I, I I liked what I saw of him. It was a short uh, spell, obviously around about 20, 25 minutes in total with you factoring the stoppage time as well. But for me, the most important thing about Emil Smith Road today was was getting um, getting sort of minutes uh, under his belt. So yeah, okay. Um, I am going to leave it there. As I mentioned right at the top of the program, it is my wife's birthday. Um, she's probably uh, waiting for me to uh, to go inside the house because I'm currently situated in the man cave. Yeah, um, I'm going to leave it there. No more work for me today. Uh, it's been a busy one. Thank you all for tuning in. Really, really appreciate the support and the love as always and the criticism as well, because it keeps me going. Uh, make sure that you leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Make sure you subscribe to the channel um, if your brand spanking new as well. It really, really does help. Uh, and if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review. We'll be back uh, with some more content on Monday now. I'm having a family day tomorrow. Uh, I'm taking my wife and my son out for the day, um, so I'm not going to be around. I'm working in the evening, so that means that um, there won't be a podcast, but we'll be back on Monday. We will drop the player ratings video uh, tomorrow. So remember, uh, just do me a favor, just pop into that video, give it a like, subscribe, all the rest of it. Really, really does help. And I will see you all on Monday. Until then, take care of yourselves and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.